You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Is everybody ready for Christmas? Yes? No? Who's got all their shopping done? Four people, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Sorry. How many of you have not even started on your Christmas shopping? Oh my goodness. You're in trouble, Tyler. <laughs> if you Tyler, if you go to Walmart and just look on what's left on the shelves right now, you'll be getting one of those. <laughs> So, anyway, well, next Sunday is Christmas Eve, so we'll have service that morning and worship Jesus together, and then the Sunday after that, the 31st, we won't have service here. You know, that gives you guys an opportunity. We just put it this way, then you can go visit another church if you want to go to church service. You can have church at home with your family. You can... uh, do whatever you'd like to do. That, and some I've had people say, "Well, aren't you afraid people go to another church? Then they might leave here and go there because they like it better." Well, if they're going to do that, in, you know, so be it. You know, a lot of times what it does is give people a greater appreciation for here. But um, if that's you and you end up somewhere else, that's just wherever God wants you to be. You know, I'm not not worried about that. I just want people to be where God wants them to be and it's not about consumerism we get caught up in that so much especially this time of year that uh, hopefully if someone's a follower of Christ it's about God where do you want me to be not what do I like per se and so this morning we we come kind of with that attitude saying God what do you have for me and what 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 would you have me to do uh, in light of who you are and what you've done and I'm just following you and so we've been uh clarifying who Jesus is for this Christmas season as we go into it, and there's that whole cloud of all that consumerism and everything that goes on. So, you know, in light of that, to help us focus in on what this really is all about, we've been talking about, let's, let's clarify who Jesus really is, and so that we can just celebrate our God coming to earth as a child in human flesh just to redeem us. And so... It's a great time to for us, and this morning I hope this will help you. And I, this this kind of thing gets me really excited when we get into talking about things like this is a time of year in the midst of all that. You're going to have family over. You're going to be around more friends. It's a great time to use this time of the year to point people to Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about kind of how that how to do that, maybe the way Jesus would do that, and look at some aspects about him that can help us if we're to follow him and be like him. If we're Christians, then then how do we show them who he really is and be more like him? And um, Now, we've covered some important biblical um, aspects of who Jesus is over the past few weeks in that he is God, not just a good teacher, not just a... Um, created being, but he is part of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct persons as one God. 
And he's not only our redeemer and savior, but we talked one Sunday about how uh, he is going to be our judge in the end. And so one day when we step out of this life into the next part of life, that he will be our judge. And he is fully God who also became fully man. And we'll cover that just a little bit more. But David talked about that last week. Uh, the incarnate God who took on flesh made his dwelling among us in order to continue to make happen the plan set before the foundations of the world. He had had a plan from the beginning. And now next week is, is this week and next week probably as ex- exciting as any for me, but we will be on Christmas Eve morning and we're going to look at Isaiah 9 verse 6 and the words spoken about Jesus long before he ever was incarnate and came to earth. The prophecy told about who he would be. And, uh, but today I'm going to focus on a verse that actually David shared last Sunday. And as he was sharing it, it kind of shifted my thoughts to, well, there's a huge aspect of Jesus and who he is that, that has been a push-pull thing in my life for a long time. And I'm like, I just really want to talk about that because I think for all of us as Christians, especially in today's world, uh, it's something that, that confuses us, that we wrestle with, that we have a hard time with. But we're going to focus specifically on John 1.14. I'm going to back up and start at verse 6. But that 1.14 is a powerful verse that for many, many years as a Christian, early on, up, up until just a, you know, three or four years ago, I would sit and kind of struggle with of how is that? And if I'm to, to be like him, how do I do that? How does that play out in the church and in my personal life? And I would struggle to grasp, and honestly, because of certain aspects of our sin nature and things about ourselves, it still gives me trouble. However, however, I've come to understand how it works together and how beautiful it can be and what it really means. And let's just read it, but we're going to focus on three descriptive words within that verse, but I want to back, back up and start at verse 6. Uh, actually to kind of lead us into so that our frame of mind gets there before we actually get to that verse to give it some context. But verse 6 says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Okay? And that right there is a great verse just about us as Christians of saying that that's that's who we are. We're... We're not him as Christians. We're just to testify about him. We, we've been redeemed so that we can share the message of redemption with other people. We're, we're to be lights that point to him. He is the light, uh, and, and we're just reflecting that to other people, and that's our job. Uh, scripture says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to be reconcilers, Okay. And, and so God uses us in that process of sharing the message of reconciliation. So there was a, the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Remember, we talked about all that stuff, how Jesus was there from the beginning. He's not created. Uh, he created all things, okay? And we'll talk about that more in just a minute, that his existence didn't start when he was born through Mary, okay? And the world did not know him. He came to his own... And that word there for own, can re- it, it can literally mean it came to his, he came to his stuff, to his possessions. He came to his domain, okay? 
this, this, he came to this stuff that, to his own or to his own stuff. He came to what was his. And those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. It's interesting. We were singing that earlier. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. That that, not everybody can sing that. I've talked about this many times here is because there's this dominant thinking in the world because of all the pantheistic, all roads lead to God kind of thinking, can't we all just get along kind of stuff, and all, all truth is just, you know, depends on what you think, that's truth. No, it depends on what really is true and what the one who created all of it says. But, but it's that thing of not everybody's a child of God. It, it's clear right here, this is a verse that explains it to us, that only those who have received him, who believe in him, who have received the gospel message are, are children of God. That's just Christians. We're all created by God. We're not all children of God, okay? And that makes that clear right here. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God. You're not a child of God when you're born. It, you have to be born again, okay? Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here's the verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt, okay? And that word there is a lived temporarily, okay? And dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten. The, the, the only begotten, the, the unique one of a kind, no one else, nothing else like him. The only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And there's that statement, that, that right there, that great, full of grace and truth. Because to me and in my mind, as I minister to people, as I am around people, and you, you feel this, there's times where we just feel like those two things don't match. Like, how do I put the truth with grace with this person that I'm trying to love? Because it comes off very unloving when I give them the truth, and it gets them aggravated, but yet they, you know, they just want all this grace, and that's our world today. Truth's just whatever, just give me grace, okay? And I'll make a statement about that later, but in verse 14, it tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So let's back up and start on that, and I'll get into the grace and truth a little more because that's the real heart of today and, and, and what is the, seems to be a conflict with us but is beautiful in Jesus, and we can see it that way too. Okay, The world, Word became flesh and dwelt among us, which means that God became man without losing being God. Like he didn't cease to be God when he became a man. Um, that's why the angel said in Matthew one twenty three, Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Why would the angel say this is God with us <clears throat> if he ceased to be God when he was born of Mary? The Bible doesn't teach that, okay? The word 
which it talks about in here, became flesh. If you go back and read the whole chapter of, of John 1, the Word, the Son, did not stop being God when He became man. If He was just a man, why did John go on to say, we saw His glory, glory as of the unique, one of a kind from the Father? Why would He say that? Okay. In Jesus Christ, the, as the Word who was with God in the beginning and made all things... In that Jesus, who is God, part of the triune God, God in the flesh, Jesus, in him we can see the glory of God. Okay? And this, is, this just blows my mind to think about this, because when we think of glory of God, when we think about like Moses and back when, when he was like, God, show me your glory, and God's like, no, you can't handle that. And so, so I'm just going to pass by and I'm going to hide you with my hand. I'm just going to let you get a little peek of my, of my backside as I walk away because if, it, if you see my full glory, you can't handle it. I mean, we think of that holiness, the angels are gathered around the throne, the whole scene of what that means, perfection in which something that's not perfect can't even be in the presence of without it being just destroyed. I mean, that, that kind of, when I, when I think glory, I think of that kind of deal, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm going, so in Jesus we see the glory of God? How, how is that possible? How can we even do that? Because it's, it's, it's a glory revealed in Jesus that does not destroy us in our sin. Okay? It, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, grace to us that looking upon upon him, these people walked with him and looked upon him, yet they weren't destroyed. How is that possible at the same time, yet he remained the one and only true, holy, glorious, living God? And it's it's again, it's not that Mary had a baby. And he was, all of a sudden, Jesus is created because Mary had a baby, okay? That is exactly what this passage, all this explains, is that is just not the case. No, he existed before Mary. He is the creator. If you go back and read all of John 1, you'll see that, that he was there from the beginning. All that happened was is he took on flesh and came to earth so that as a human, he could, as fully God and fully man, he could take on our sin and show us what the grace part meant. The son just means now Jesus has put on flesh and come to earth. God's glory revealed in the incarnation, in the birth of Jesus, beautifully displayed grace towards sinners while not changing the truth about who he is or who we are like that truth remained even though he came and displayed this grace toward us the truth about his holiness and our depraved sin nature it didn't it didn't mean that didn't exist it did you remember two weeks ago, Jesus is the judge in the end 
but but when he came in the in the incarnation for us he did not come for us as as a judge he came for us as the redeemer one day he's going to be judge but as he came for us he came for us as our redeemer redeemer as our savior so as he steps into this world he's full of grace because of what he's about to do for us but the truth still stands and the truth is the very reason he had to be full of grace also. Truth is what makes us appreciate grace. Like those two things together are, like you can't even have grace without truth. Like, like how does that even work? Like if this is not true, then grace doesn't matter. So it's a beautiful thing to see that the truth is that our sin costs something. And the, the grace is that Jesus came to pay for it. We had, he had to put on flesh in order to die for us. In order for God to stay holy and just and perfect. And, and sin had to be paid for. It had to be paid for. Had to be punished. To hold to truth, that had to happen. But the fullness of grace that satisfied that truth was that Jesus took that on for us, that he did that for us. Truth and grace are shouted simultaneously and with great volume at the cross. Both. We get both in fullness, and it's not in conflict. It's something together that is so beautiful. The only reason we can appreciate grace is because of the truth. And we need grace because of it. And, and then there is this, that issue of us thinking that we would be so much better off had we been there. Because you go, man, to be there and see his glory and see how this talks about him. And if, if we could have just been there and walked with Jesus. Because you hear this from people sometimes. Over my years of being a pastor, you know, there's times people are like, Man, if I could have just been there when Jesus walked on the earth, man, I, I would see him and my faith would be so much stronger and I would, I would be doing so much better spiritually and stuff. And, and, and there's this thinking in us that if, if Jesus was right here, man, that'd make it so much easier. Yeah, isn't, isn't that just kind of logical thinking? Right? But... If we could just see Jesus walking in the flesh, you just think, man, then I, I would, I'd have no problems. This would be easy if I could just have Jesus walking next to me. But the glory of God was not, it, it wasn't like he was walking around and Jesus is like glowing and there's this like white light around him and, you know, this little halo floating above him. And, and it's just like, wow, that's Jesus and look how he shines. And so I know that's God and I'm just going to follow him, you know, it just makes it easy to follow him. It's like the, the cloud by day and pillar of fire or by night that would just, that they, that the Israelites followed in the wilderness. They're just, it's just so easy because we just follow this thing that God puts in front of us and it just makes it simple, right? But it's, it's, what's amazing is Jesus didn't have that. There was no like glow coming from him and people were like wow just look at him i just want to follow him it was 
you know, Scripture tells us that he wasn't even much to look at. Um, I was, I was, I can't remember where I heard it, but I was hearing, listening to some guy talk about how, you know, if you studied DNA and where he was born and that kind of stuff, what Jesus would more than likely look like. Um, I, I think it just it prompted me to go. I think from now on, when I walk in churches, you know, and you see the picture of Jesus, like in the in the back over the door or whatever, and he's got the flowing brownish blonde hair, the straight hair, and he's like looks very. American, Aryan, Anglo-Saxon. He's like the the loving Viking or something. I don't know how what it looks like. It's just kind of strange with the flowing white robe and all that stuff. I think from now on, I'm just going to be like, so who's that picture back there on the wall? Is that like the founder of the church or like, you know, who is that guy? Because he would look nothing like that. They were talking about how his, more than likely, his hair would look more like mine, just darker, okay? It'd be very curly and tight and he would his skin would be much darker and he would not have that slender like nice loving form to him he would he would been more athletic built a little bigger guy than what we see in those pictures but it says the scripture tells us he wasn't much to look at it says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him no beauty that we should desire him it talks about that in Isaiah 53 and, and, and so we go, well, he, there was no glow around him, so what was it about? Was it, was it the, all these miracles he was doing? Was, was it that people getting to see him do all those amazing things that it just didn't make it easy? If I could just go out here on the lake and, and if Jesus would just walk across the water toward me, no problem. I'd have faith, I'd believe, no, not a problem, okay? But there were many many people who saw those things happen and and yet they wanted to kill Jesus. Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about Judas. What did he get to see? All the Pharisees that constantly wanted to kill him. A crowd of people that knew of the the healings and the, the things he had done and yet they would shout, crucify him. How, how is it that we think, well, if I had him walking with me, it'd be so much better. But yet there were people who didn't get it. And, and, and this thing about his glory being, God's glory being seen in him, it's, it's, a, it's not a physically seen, the miracles, this glow about him. It's a spiritually seen glory. It's not seen with the eyes, it's seen with the heart. The words he spoke, the actions of love, the kindness and mercy. It's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. It's a spiritually discerned glory when, it, when seeing it in Jesus as he came as fully man and fully God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, The God of this world, and that's little g God, talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. This opened up, as, I, as I've seen the connection of these two passages between what John said that we were just reading and what Paul's about to say, it, it clarified so much for me on what that glory, that it's a spiritually discerned. Because listen to what he says, and we're talking about two different people. This is the beautiful thing about Scripture and about the Bible, because people are like, how do we know it's true? Well, how in the world did all these people, over hundreds and hundreds of years, all these different continents and, and all this stuff, write about 
God write about all this that happened, and there's this consistency all the way through. They didn't even know each other, most of these guys. How in the world is this even possible? It's because it's God-breathed. It's inspired. It's the inspired Word of God like He says it is, okay? The, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see what? He, he's blinded. There's, there's a spiritual blindness so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see that? Sorry, I get excited about stuff when I go, look at those dots connect. That's wonderful. I understand that, okay? I'm Appalachian American, so it's tough for me sometimes, okay, to understand all these things. So when I see it, I get excited, okay? So, so let me put John's words... In that, in, in what Paul just said, okay? So that they might not see the truth of the glory of the Word, who is Jesus, the image of God. Do you get that? So that you can't really see Him because you don't understand the truth about Him. You can't see the truth and receive the grace that He brings. The glory of God in Jesus is a glory that you see when you hear and believe the message of Jesus Christ. It says it in there. It's, this, it's the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The glory of God in Jesus is a glory that you see when you hear and believe the message of Jesus. So if you are, you're a Christian truly... I love Carrie Newhoff's comment about it's not that you're it's not just that you're not allergic to Jesus, okay, but that you have received you've got saving faith, okay. If you're truly a Christian, you can say just like John that you have seen His glory, glory as the one and only unique son from the father full of grace and truth and and you understand what that means and it's glorious and what is crazy is we have it so much better now than when jesus walked the earth with the disciples and we read all these stories we have it so much better now you're like how is that that what do you mean even Jesus himself said what? It's better that I go. He's like, it's better for all of you that I go. It's better for everyone that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to you. We get to see the whole story written in the Word, in the Scriptures. We get to see... We get this. They, they didn't have all this when he walked with them. They didn't, they didn't have this. They had part of this back here. They didn't have all, all of it, okay? They didn't have that. We get to see the whole story. We get to see all of it. We get, we, get to, we get to look back at the cross. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But we get, we get to look back at it. 
we get to see the whole story. We, we get and have it shown to us, not just that we have all that written, but we get to have it shown to us by the Holy Spirit. Right? And have, here's the beautiful part of this. As good as Emmanuel, God with us is, Holy Spirit is God in us. It's a with us that's better than just outside with us. It's we're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in us, and, and it's those spiritual eyes have been turned on to where we can see all this glory. We can see and understand all these things about him. It's better for us now. I don't have to call up Jesus and make an appointment and ask him, what should I do, Right? And wait for the other six billion, six point, almost seven billion people on the planet to get done with him, right? Because there's only one of him, but he's with us in a greater way. It's better for us now. So what do we do with that? What does this mean for us? Yes, it's great news that in the midst of the truth of my sin, God gives me grace through Jesus. And you understand what I said earlier about how we appreciate and love grace because of the truth. I mean, that's, that's an awakening thing, too. And we are able to appreciate the truth because of grace. I don't like the truth without grace. And I don't need grace without the truth, right? But our culture today wants that grace with no truth. And there's no logic in that. It doesn't even work. Grace for what if there's no truth? And I can come in here on Sunday, um, like when I talked about Jesus as the judge, and after we die, you know, there's this, we're going to live forever, but there's, you know, we talked about heaven and hell and what all that means. And, and, and when I start talking like that, people don't want to hear that. Just tell me how much God loves me. Don't tell me about all that judge that stuff and, and how there's consequences. and all. I don't want to hear that. But at the end of a talk like that, hopefully you realize and you go, man, that was so hard to hear, but I'm so glad I did. Because now I see God's grace and I'm like, that is awesome. That's wonderful. That's something to celebrate. Before, I just felt bad. Now I, now I feel like celebrating and saying thank you over and over and over. But people, as you give those kind of talks, they wish you, they, they're like, man, I should have skipped this Sunday. I, I should have just waited for another talk another day. And but we just want the talks about how good God is and His grace and He loves us. And when you get hit hard with the truth and we struggle... But, but it's those times when we get hit hard and we struggle and we get the truth that when we, we see God's grace that it, it, it changes us and our life changes. And we have a changed heart in life. Now, it's different, though, if I announce it like uh, we have great kids stuff in the back, so I'm going to, okay. But if, but if I announce sermons like... Um, about judgment, like if I told you that was coming, if I'd have told you the week before, hey, next Sunday we're, I'm going to talk about God's judgment and about hell, 
And, uh, so come back next Sunday. It'll be fun, right? Everybody's like, I think I'm going fishing, right? Or whatever it is that you do, okay? But I can say next week, hey, hey next week, I'm going to start a series on sex, right? And man, it's packed in here. Like people like, like, I got members that'll make sure, they'll be like running to the back, like where you sign up to volunteer to work and be like, hey, make sure my wife's not on the deal next week and so she can be in the service with me, right? I mean, it's just, it's going to be, I'm ready for this, you know? As though I found some new loophole in something that's going to give you some new information to help you do things you weren't allowed to do before, Right? Things that have been off limits are going to change or something. But, but seriously, um, that's just like on the 24th, next Sunday. I'm excited about it. When you read Isaiah, the, the passage we're going to talk about, there's a lot of positive, feel-good stuff in there. You're like Prince of Peace. Man, I, I want to hear about that. Okay? But there's going to be a grace and a truth about all that. But when we hear those things like that, that things that condemn us, that call us out, it, when you hear that, can I just encourage you, don't run from it. Don't just look at the truth and go, I'm running from that. I don't like that. Lean in. Because if you lean in and you realize that in the midst of that truth, that Jesus, isn't, it's, it's not just full of truth, but he's full of grace. And it doesn't mean that just goes away on its own. When, when our eyes are opened to what it really is, that grace just, it causes us to fall more and more in love with Jesus and we just, we, just wanna, we just wanna lean in more and more and more. Lean in, repent, that's that hard part of that, and find that grace that just changes your life instead of going, I understand that, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking that, I'm not accepting that. And then when it comes to other people, and here's the part about Christmas that you can really, I hope you can understand about this because we struggle with the relative that's always heckling us about our faith or, or we struggle with, um, I, I love the Facebook arguments. I don't understand all that per se between political parties and, and all this stuff and between people of faith and people not of faith. And it's like... Um, Two things about that, okay? Give to people what you're wanting to get from people, okay? If you want to get blasted on Facebook, blast somebody on Facebook. Duh, that's what you're going to get back, okay? I, I don't understand the, the, the middle school games on Facebook, okay? I'm, I'm off on a very random topic, okay? I'm sorry. Um, and some of you are like, yeah, you're a middle-aged guy. All you keep talking about is Facebook. There's all this other social media out there. I get that. Okay, it's okay. I don't have time in my life for 15 different social media platforms, okay? Um, but it's like we are to love like Jesus and forgive and give grace. Like we, we, we like grace when it's us, and we like truth when it's somebody else. Isn't that true? You're like, I don't like that. Right, see? You're getting the truth. We don't like that part. We love the grace. We want grace. We're like, come on. I should just be able to say I'm sorry, and, then not, and, and that gets me out of it. And then they should just give me grace. 
But if it's them, oh, oh, you're sorry. Like that makes up for it. We want to hold them to this solid truth, but we want grace. Okay? And, and here's the thing about this. We, I don't know why it is as Christians, it got this way, especially in the Bible Belt, that we expect people who are not Christians to act like Christians. And we get mad when they don't. <laughs> it's like you get in these political arguments on Facebook with people who do not believe what you believe. And they're not going to. And it's just going to be an argument. What's the point? Okay. Sorry, that's just a pet peeve of mine. It's, and, and we get in our lives and we expect people around us who are not Christians to act like Christians. We just don't need... We need to show them grace and truth. And, and here's the thing, it's, and it's hard, but it's who Jesus is. Jesus could, could sit and say to people, this is what you've done, but I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Do you see that love he had for people where he could just say, hey, 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 Brady, here's the truth. Okay, here's the truth about you. But you know what? There's a way for it not to be that way. Jesus made a way for it not to be that way because he loves you. Grace, so don't go do that anymore. Be this different person. Okay? And we need to give that fully to people because we just like to hit them with the truth. But even those far from God need to see Jesus fully for who he is. They need to see truth. They need to see grace together. Don't leave that out at Christmas with those who agitate you and get under your skin. Give them Jesus who is full of grace and truth. And and I know we're all sitting here going, well, duh. That makes perfect sense. But you know as well as I do, you're going to be sitting around the table or you're going to be hanging out in the living room or wherever it is with people for Christmas and there's going to be somebody that just... They're just hard to deal with. And they're thinking the same thing about you. If you're, if you're in an environment and there's like 25, 30 family members and, and there's not somebody in there that kind of agitates you a little bit, you might be the one that agitates everybody else. Okay, <laughs> It might just be you. Okay, there's going to be somebody in there and you need to think, I want to be like Jesus who is full of grace and truth. And, and, and you read the scriptures and it's story after story about, oh, after story about how Jesus showed so much grace, gave him the truth, but so much grace to those that just couldn't, just far from him that had no clue who he was. Who before he came up and showed them grace and truth could not see it. And we need to do the same. And we don't always get this right. Okay, I don't always get this right. There's times I can just lay out the truth and show no grace whatsoever. Sometimes we're just full of the truth, full of ourselves, really. It's a self-righteous thing when it becomes no grace and just truth. It can be very little to no grace, and sometimes we're just full of grace because that pendulum can swing the other way, and we just grace everybody and never give them an ounce of the truth. 
And we think, man, I don't want to hurt my relationship with this person, so I'm just not going to say anything about the truth and about Jesus and about their sin and about... And we've got to learn how to, how, how to be full of both. Jesus would call sin, sin, and then pay for it. Not condemn you and tell you to leave this, you know, and, and then tell you to leave the sin behind. He, he, he would want you to change and get out of that. And that's how he loves us. Isn't that just a glorious thing? So we have to love one another with that same fullness of grace and truth. And it's messy, it's difficult for us to be both because we're not perfect like he is. But it's the goal, it's what we strive for, it's who we're it's the sanctification process, becoming more like Jesus that we're we're aiming for. It's why it's great that He isn't walking the earth, but yet the Holy Spirit is with us to guide us in these things. And I'm hoping God will use this in His Word and what He said about, I'm hoping through Christmas that thing about grace and truth, fully together, will walk with you through Christmas and you'll see somebody. You you know what a pastor's heart longs for more than anything? is for somebody in the church to walk up to him sometime, anytime, and just say, hey, I... I shared, I sat down with so-and-so and talked, and here's what happened. And I told them about Jesus. I told them the truth, and I showed them the grace. And they saw it in Jesus, and it's changed them. And I love that when I don't have anything to do with it. I, I can remember the days. I'm glad we're in a church that, that people embrace that and go for it. That it's not, we'll call the preacher and get him over here to get him saved. I can't get him saved. I don't have the power to do that. Okay? Now, if you need help, call me. I will help you. Okay? I'm not trying to tell you don't do that at all. But you give it a shot first. Because obviously God's put you there for a reason. When it's your kid, you explain it to him first. Then if you want me to follow up, I will. Not a problem. But I, I'm praying that through this season, there'll be stories come out of it of, hey, around the dinner table over Christmas, or we were open presents later, and I sat so-and-so who just gets on my nerves, takes those shots about politics, or takes those shots about how I follow Jesus and my faith, and I'm how judgmental Christianity is or makes the little sleight of hand comments all the time. I got to talk to them and show them grace and truth and it's changed things. But the greatest grace we could get from God is to actually know the truth. To know what is coming for us, to know what is good for us and bad for us and show us how He can provide a way for us. That sin results in death by God's grace. We can know that instead of just going blindly through life and ending up someplace we don't want to be. So by God's grace, we can know the truth and have a way out of death. So I'm hoping that maybe clicks with you during this Christmas season. And it's, 
it's a beautiful thing for us to be able to look back. You see how good we have it, that we can look back at the cross? I remember um, Louis Giglio talking about this, and I, and I loved how he explained it, that, that as we look back at all this, we are so grateful and thankful for it. Like We're like the truth and the grace of that is incredible. But you think about these guys that were writing this stuff, that, that walked with Jesus, that saw him crucified, and that they would stand there and think this is the worst day ever when they would see Jesus crucified and they would all go run and hide, thinking it's their whole world had fell apart, that it was all a sham or what, what, don't know what happened. That we look back and say the, what they would have thought was the worst day standing there watching Jesus be crucified would turn around and be something we look back and go, that was the greatest day because of truth and grace. That's the greatest day ever. And so on top of challenging you to be a person of grace and truth during Christmas, I know some of you are going through some hard stuff at Christmas. You're thinking about loved ones lost. You're, you know, there's so much stuff that goes on at Christmas that's hard. Um, I mean, you, I can just look around and think about you or people in your lives that just going through some very difficult things. And I just want to say, because of grace and truth, is it possible, is it possible that what you look at now as some of the worst times of your life, you would look back on one day and go, no, that... That was some of the greatest, that was one of the greatest seasons of my life because of what God brought out of that and where I am now. That if I had never gone through that, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing now. And that may be hard to see in the midst of that and those seasons can be so long. But when we embrace and see Jesus for who he is, we know the best days are ahead of us, even if that means it's not until heaven. We have a hope that goes beyond this world, beyond our circumstances, that says, no, it doesn't even matter if it doesn't get better today or tomorrow or next week or next year. One day it will because I'll be home. And he'll be okay. I'll get to see that baby that was born I'll get to see the incarnate, I'll get to see Jesus and be with him forever and it'll all be okay. As Paul would say, as God would say to him, my grace is sufficient for you. In the midst of the truth of a cursed world, in the midst of the truth of other people's choices that hurt your life in the midst of the truth of your choices that hurt your life Jesus just says my grace is sufficient for you it's both and I hope that's encouraging this morning so let's pray together Father we are just so thankful that you how you can just draw us to yourself, how you can open our eyes. I pray this morning that you would open the spiritual eyes of people here who may be blinded, that they would see you.
for who you really are, full of grace and truth. We thank you for both. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that just has never experienced your grace, has never, maybe in the midst of this today, they're going, man, there's a truth about me that I am lost and dying in my sin, that I am enslaved to it, that I just have no freedom from it. I've tried to run things myself. I've tried to try to satisfy myself through things that just don't satisfy. That maybe this morning, Father, they would turn to you. They would repent of their sin and trying to be their own Savior, be the Lord of their own life, that they would repent. They would turn to you and say, Jesus, I'm, I want your grace and your truth. In light of that truth, I thank you for grace. Thank you for opening my eyes to the truth that I can experience your grace. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place for my sin. And in this moment, I look back at what was a terrible day and say, I am so thankful for that day that you would die for me to forgive me of my sin so I could be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and be changed and know that I have hope beyond this world. So, Father, we thank you for that and, and thank you for how you love us. That you would allow us to have grace, to receive, to, that receive mercy because of how much you love us. Father, I pray for those who call themselves Christians that through this Christmas season, they might just become more like you that they would be bold in their faith, that they would look for opportunities, be spiritually aware of moments that they could be grace and truth because of the power of your Son working in them. Father, there's nothing greater that could happen. There's no greater gift any of us could get than to receive that through your Son, Jesus. So just use us for that. Thank you for allowing us to see your glory. May that just be reflected in us everywhere we go. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.